Good morning, church. Anybody suffering with allergy problems today? Wow, it hit me hard last night, so I'm, uh, I'm standing up. That's about all I can say. So glad everybody's here today. This is every member Sunday. Our goal was 600. I'm looking at about... How many you got, Bib? 25 so far. <laughs> Won't you start over? So. Good crowd today. Uh, so glad everybody's here today. Why don't you look to the people left and right and just say, so glad to have you here today. Our Hispanic brothers and sisters decided to join us today. So glad to have you with us. Always glad to have you with us. So let me tell you about a couple of things. <clears throat> today, just to let you know, at the end of services, we're going to have our second Carrying and Sharing Dollar Day. If you're not familiar with that, the fact that we're passing the contribution plate a second time, I don't want that to scare you. In fact, you do not have to participate if you do not want to. Usually about four times a year, we have a Carrying and Sharing ministry that we provide food and clothing. And uh, that's in our budget, but about four times a year we have what we call a dollar day. And we try to raise four or $5,000. So this year um, we decided to do a little more than that. We owe about $75,000 on the building that they're in. They pay about $800 a month towards rent to pay off that, not rent, to pay off the note. And we'd like to pay that off so that that $800 could provide more food to assist people. So as you can see right now, um, we've received right at $36,000 to date, plus or minus. So we need about $39,000. So at the end of worship, after the invitation song, I'll get up and uh, lead us in a prayer. The first 5000 goes to their regular dollar day, and everything over that will go to pay off that debt. So our, our goal this year is to do that. So I wanted to tell you about that. And uh, next week, you're going to hear a little bit. We're going to honor our young people that were involved in LTC, Leadership Training for Christ. They worked for three or four months, and they should be honored. And we're going to do that next week. So I'm looking forward to that as well. I think that's all that I wanted to, to share with you today. I mean, I'm going to preach. I could, I could, I could, I could sit down, so. <clears throat> One of my favorite illustrations is about a man named Jay Rathman. I, I've probably shared this story with you before, but I just love this story. While deer hunting in the Tehima Wildlife Area near Red Bluff in Northern California, he climbed to the top of a ledge on the slope of a rocky gorge, and as he raised his head above that ledge, he came eyeball to eyeball with a rattlesnake. He said a coiled rattler struck with lightning speed, just missing his right ear. The fangs, one of the fangs got caught in his turtleneck sweater, and the snake wrapped around his neck. That began to tumble down the mountain as he's wrestling with the snake, and he's got his binoculars, and, and he's got his rifle. And so, as they tumble down the mountain, he was able to take his rifle and, and jar the fang loose, while all the venom's just going down his neck. 
He said that really didn't do any good because his luck would have it. Um, even though he was wedged upside down, he freed the snake who proceeded to just wham, wham, wham right in. Right, He said, I tried to turn away, but he had about eight attempts and managed to hit me with his nose right below his eye. He said, um, this chap and I were eyeball to eyeball, and I learned that snakes don't blink. said he had fangs like darning needles. I had to choke him to death. It was the only way out. When he tried to toss the, the dead snake aside, he had such a grip on that snake, which I would do, he said he had to pry his fingers loose just to get rid of the snake. That encounter lasted about 20 minutes. I love that illustration because I think that illustration <clears throat> describes life. Wham, 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 we're constantly hit. Wham, 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 when you go to work, maybe there's somebody you work with, maybe it's your boss, maybe you are in a family, maybe your home situation is wham, wham, wham. Maybe there's some people in the neighborhood that, that you don't get along with, and there are constant assaults, constant attacks, constant discouragement, and we're thinking... When is it going to end? And just when we think we've got the snake of life away from us, we free him just enough that it's just wham, wham, wham. You ever had one of those days? Ever had one of those weeks? I mean, maybe you're in one of those weeks right now. Ever had one of those months? Ever had a year where you're thinking, when is it going to end? It just won't let up. Maybe that describes you today, the constant attacks of discouragement. What I want to do over the next couple of weeks is I want to talk about my favorite Bible characters. So I grabbed this graphic because I grew up um, thinking that's what all the Bible characters look like. Oh, I could have got some real-life looking images of people, but I thought, you know what, that... Those are the Bible characters I grew up with, and that's how they dress. So I wanted to talk about my favorite Bible characters. The character I want to talk about today, his name is only mentioned in the Bible two times. And yet he's one of my favorite characters. We read in 2 Timothy, you know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, Paul is writing, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. And then in chapter 4, verse 19, greet Priscilla and Aquila, maybe you've heard of them, and the household of Onesiphorus. I, I tried to get Kelly to name Spencer Onesiphorus. She said that was a no-go. Onesiphorus, two times in the Bible. One of my favorite characters. His name means prophet bringer. When Onesiphorus shows up, he's a prophet bringer. Richie, why is he one of your favorite Bible characters? Well, I, I think everybody ought to have a friend in their life based on how Paul describes him, like Onesiphorus. Paul says, everybody deserted me. Everybody turned their back on me. Everybody disowned me. Nobody wanted to hang with me except... Onesiphorus. And he says, 
He refreshed me. That word means to gain relief by resting. You ever had a long day and you're like, you know, I just need to go home and rest. I just need to go home and chill. I just need to go home and relax. I just need to go home and be refreshed. That's the word here. In fact, it also means spiritual refreshment. Jesus said, come unto me all you who are weary and tired and heavy laden and I will give you, it's the same word, refreshment, rest. That's what Jesus said he would provide for us and Paul says that's what Onesiphorus provided for him. And he often refreshed me, not just once. It wasn't just a one-time deal. He often refreshed me over and over, many times, on a regular basis. Paul had someone in his life who refreshed him. Paul had someone in his life who stopped by on a regular basis. Wouldn't you like to have somebody like that in your life? I hope that you do. But if you don't, you need to find an Onesiphorus who will often refresh you. I mean, after all, where was Paul going? He was in chains. He's in prison. And Onesiphorus came by to find him. Now, let me describe for you 2,000 years ago what prison was like. Christianity Christianity is a new religion. Jesus has come and Jesus has lived and Jesus has died and Jesus has been raised and Jesus has ascended back to heaven and Jesus is gone. And many of the Christ followers went around preaching that very message. And because of that message, because they preached that message, many of them were arrested, flogged, thrown in prison. And Paul was one of those people. In fact, you might not know this. I don't know how much Bible history you know. Um, There are four prison epistles that are called in the New Testament. There's Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and Philemon. You know why they're called prison epistles? Because Paul wrote them... When he was in prison. So Paul is in prison. And some dude named Onesiphorus went looking for him. In prison. No heating. No air conditioning. I'm sure the stench was horrible. In prison. As he's got stalks around his feet. Which means he couldn't move his legs. In prison. Which means he couldn't get up and walk around. In prison. Which means he was probably had a, had a guard chained to him. In prison. And everybody had deserted him. Except. Onesiphorus. Paul was pretty much alone except for prophet bringer. We don't know how he knew Paul. We don't know how long he knew Paul. Maybe he he had heard Paul preach one time. Maybe he was a convert of Paul. We're not sure, but he's mentioned two times in the entire Bible. And yet I think he's worth mentioning. Onesiphorus somehow finds out Paul is in prison and he goes looking for him. Paul says, he searched hard for me until he found me. The very fact that he was looking for Paul probably put him in danger. The very fact that Onesiphorus was a Christian himself probably put him in danger himself. But he wasn't ashamed that Paul was in prison. He wasn't ashamed that Paul was in chains. He was on a mission. And he said, you know what? I have got to find Paul. I'm sure he needs some encouragement. I'm sure that he needs to be refreshed in some way. Paul says, you know very well in how many ways he helped me. Not just one, how many ways he helped me. How did he refresh Paul? It doesn't say. 
I mean, maybe they just sat down and sang some hymns. Maybe they shared some scripture. Maybe they talked about how prison was. Maybe Onesiphorus was the first. He, maybe he started the first prison ministry. Maybe they, I'm not sure what they did. Maybe he brought some written words on some papyrus and said, hey, here's what some of the brothers and sisters in. We're not sure how he refreshed him, and I'm not sure that's important. What's important is he searched hard for Paul and he found him, and he refreshed him, and he encouraged him. Reckon there's anybody here today who could use some encouragement? Could you use some encouragement? Reckon there's anybody at your work? Reckon there's anybody that you know? Why is Onesiphorus one of my favorite Bible characters? Have, have you stopped to consider? I mean, maybe, just maybe, those four prison epistles... Maybe they wouldn't have got written had Onesiphorus not stopped by to encourage Paul and say, you know what, this church at Ephesus and this church at Colossae, they need to hear from you. Maybe he encouraged him in such a way that Paul decided, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and write. Maybe those letters wouldn't have been written. Maybe Paul was a, Paul the apostle in prison. I'm sure he was a little down. I'm sure he was a little depressed. I'm sure he was a little discouraged in Onesiphorus comes by. I like what Alexander White writes. Paul might be the greatest of apostles to Onesiphorus, and he might be all that and far more to you and me, but he was only number so-and-so to the soldiers with whom he was chained night after night in the dungeon. You wouldn't have known Paul from any other convict. Paul was simply number five or number 50 or number 500 or some such number. From one prison to another, Onesiphorus went about seeking for Paul day after day, Week after week, often insulted, threatened, ill-used, arrested, and detained until he was set free again, only after great suffering and expense, till at last his arms around Paul's neck and the two old men were kissing one another and weeping to the amazement of the prisoners. What a scene that must have been. Onesiphorus. Could you use an Onesiphorus in your life? The other day, Brian and I went to lunch. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but when I go to lunch, I, I just I want to shut off the world. I, I go to lunch to eat. I'm really not much of a conversationalist, so Brian and I went to McAllister's, and this lady came by that we both knew, and I said, hey, how you doing? And she almost broke down several times, and she said, you know, I'm, I'm not doing real well. Because her 18-year-old son was about to have a baby out of wedlock with his girlfriend. And she said, this wasn't in my daily planner. This wasn't in my schedule. This isn't how I raised my kids. Bam. 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 She got close to shedding tears. We told her we would pray for her, and she left after about 20 minutes, which is a long lunch already. So I get back to eating and chilling. Another lady came by. I introduced her to Brian. He didn't know who she was. And I said, hey, how you doing? I got to quit asking that at lunch. She said, not real good. My divorced husband from many years ago just got remarried, and I'm really struggling with that. I know I shouldn't be, but it's hard. Bam. 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 All you have to do is ask people, how you doing? And it's not hard to discover who needs some encouragement. 
You know, out of all the places, you should be able to come for encouragement. Out of all the places. You know, I mentioned work. I, I, I mentioned maybe your family. I, I didn't mention at the start of the sermon. Maybe one of the places you find the most discouragement is church. Church family. Out of all the places, we ought to be able to come and, 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 and not get whammied and whammied and whammied. It, it ought to be church. It ought to be our church family. Out of all the places, you should never find any discouragement. It ought to be church. And yet, I've always liked what Chuck Swindoll said many years ago. But we sure seem to enjoy shooting our wounded. We seem to thrive on that. I read the other day that churches that grow, there are certain characteristics of churches that grow, and churches that grow provide hope and encouragement to people. And you can look at the fastest growing churches, and you can be discouraged and make some negative comments about them, but I guarantee you those churches are providing encouragement and hope. That's the kind of church that we need to be. I mean, are, I'll ask again, are you, are you ever discouraged? I mean, are you thinking today, you know, I really don't even want to go to work tomorrow. Are you thinking today, I... I I really don't want to go to that family reunion. I, I really don't want to go to, you fill in the blank, because there's someone there who's going to discourage you. There's somebody there who always puts you down. Discouragement. Let me tell you why I like Onesiphorus and why he's one of my favorite Bible characters and what we can learn from Onesiphorus. Here, here's the first deal. We all need encouragement. There's not a person on the planet who doesn't need encouragement. We all need encouragement. And even the Apostle Paul, as he's sitting in prison, and everybody's deserted me, Onesiphorus said, hey, Paul, I just came by to say hey. Can we sing some songs? Can we pray? You want to talk about Jesus? Do you want to sit here in silence and just, you know, soak up the presence of God? Maybe that describes you today, beat up by the world, disappointed by defeat. I mean, sin weighs us down, and sin has a way of bam, bam, bam. Maybe that's you today, crushed on a daily basis. You've got disappointment, you've got discouragement, and you're thinking, when's it ever going to end? We all need encouragement. We all need somebody who will say they believe in us. We all need somebody who will encourage us, reassure us, hold out their hand in support, refresh us. Hey, I notice you look a little bit down. Is there something I can do for you? Hey, I notice your smile seems to have disappeared. Is there something I can pray about? Hey, I noticed that. That's what I learned from Onesiphorus, that we need to be those kind of people. In a world of put-downs and gossip and bad-mouthing, we... All need some encouragement. I read this, Jim Burns writes, For every critical comment we receive, it takes nine affirming comments to even out the negative effect in our life. Not even get ahead. For every negative, discouraging thing you hear, you need to hear nine positive, encouraging things. We all need encouragement. But we all need to be encouragers. You might be thinking, well, nobody ever encourages me. How about you start by encouraging somebody else? You know, the way you treat other people is really how you want to be treated. So we all need to be encouragers. Look at what the Bible says. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. 
Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. I grew up being hammered in almost a discouraging way with that verse. You better be at church next week. No, I read that verse differently now. Do you realize that by coming together, you're encouraging somebody today. One of the reasons we meet is to encourage one another. One of the reasons we sing hymns together is to encourage one another through our singing. One of the reasons we partake of the Lord's Supper is so that as a body of Christ, we're encouraging one another to live more like Jesus. Of all the places you ought to find encouragement, it ought to be right here. We need to encourage one another. There's more verses. Well, let me, let me say this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on. You know what spurs do? You know what spurs do with horses? I don't. I could tell you about riding horses a long time ago, but we're not supposed to use our spurs to dig into one another. We're supposed to spur one another on and encourage one another. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Our scripture reading today, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. You know, I don't know how you guys read the Bible, but when I hear a do not, that means... Do not. Don't. It's sinful if you do. That's not what Jesus wants. It's not what God wants. And yet, it seems like sometimes we thrive on discouraging one another. We thrive on tearing one another down. We thrive on ripping one another in negative ways. No, no, no. Let's be more like Onesiphorus. Encouragers. So let me ask you, when was the last time you encourage someone. Richie, nobody ever encourages me. It's not what I asked you. When was the last time you encouraged someone? Wrote a note. I mean, old-fashioned wrote a note. If you're not old-fashioned, sent a text. Sent an email. Stopped by and made a visit at the hospital. Just stopped by to encourage. Just stopped by to spur on. Hey, I know you're struggling with your health. Is there anything I can do? Hey, I know you're struggling with the loss of a loved one. Is there anything I can do? Hey, I know work seems to be wearing you down. Is there anything I can do? Hey, you're, I, I know you're struggling in your family. Is there something I can do to encourage you? You think of anybody today that could use some encouragement? If you're having trouble thinking about somebody, just look around. Just look around. Anybody here could use some encouragement? I'm just wondering. I'd like a show of hands. Anybody here could use some encouragement? Just look around. Almost by doing that, we're thinking, why do they need encouragement? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. If we'd put ourselves in the shoes of other people sometime, maybe we could see why they need some encouragement. You realize that encouragement can change the course of a human being's life? I mean, think back on your own life. I can name two or three or four people who said encouraging things to me. I can tell you what those single statements were that changed the direction of my life. Why don't you do that for somebody else? Do you realize that an encouraging word that maybe somebody's marriage today is just struggling a little bit and they're thinking about leaving and an encouraging word might change the direction of that? Do you realize there might be some people today that are thinking about 
that quitting the faith and leaving the church and never coming back and maybe an encouraging word of, so glad you're here, don't know what you're going through, is there something I... Do you realize that could change the direction of somebody's life? I mean, you don't have to look around much to find people who are discouraged. Just go to a pharmacy that's been slammed in this um, season of sickness and you see the people working on the other side and you know what they're hearing from some customers. Just say, hey... How's your day going? And they'll say, not very good. And you can say an encouraging word. I appreciate what you do. I'm so glad you're open. Thank you for filling my prescription. You realize just an encouraging word can change somebody's day, week, life. That's why I like Onesiphorus, because we need to be more like Onesiphorus. The good news, one author writes, the good news is it's not hard. Don't underestimate the power of a kind word, a friendly smile, a pat on the back, a genuine compliment, a word of encouragement, and a listening ear. I've seen so many people's lives change when somebody takes time to pay attention to them. Just pay a little bit of attention to them. Just like Onesiphorus. The world's full of discouragers. They're a dime a dozen. Encouragers? Can't find enough of them. Let's be that church. Let's be like Onesiphorus. Look for people that you can encourage. Look for folks that you can, that you can encourage in some way. A couple of illustrations. Let me read this. This is Steve Maraboli from his book, Life, the Truth, and Being Free. How would your life be different if you walked away from gossip and verbal defamation... Let today be the day that you speak only the good you know of other people and encourage others to do the same. I used to love the, uh, the credit card commercial. Uh, I think it was Capital One. What's in your wallet? What's in your wallet today? What's in your life today? What would you bring with you today? Some people are here today and their wallets... Their hearts are broken. Some people are here today, their wallets, their hearts are heavy. Some people are here today and their wallets, their hearts are empty. What's in your wallet today? I love the illustration about Abraham Lincoln on the night that he was assassinated. He had several things in his wallet, his pockets. There was a handkerchief embroidered A. Lincoln. There was a country boy's penknife a spectacles case repaired with string, and a purse containing a $5 bill, Confederate money, and there were some old newspaper clippings. One of them actually reports a speech by John Bright which says, Abraham Lincoln is one of the greatest men of all times. Well, I don't know what you know about Abraham Lincoln, but a lot of people today would say he was one of the greatest men of all time. But when Abraham Lincoln lived, people didn't think that. The British statesman John Bright may have been right, but in 1865, millions of people didn't like Abraham Lincoln. His critics were fierce. His critics were many. There were a lot of people that didn't like Abraham Lincoln. And who would have thought that the night of his tragic death, that earlier in the evening, maybe under candlelight, he opened those newspaper clippings and read that John Bright said, this is one of the greatest men that ever lived. On the day that he died, I mean, who knows? Maybe he was reading through a clipping that somebody said, I believe in you. On the day that he died, he got some encouraging words. 
Again, folks, the one place where people should be able to find encouragement, it ought to be right here. The one place people ought to be able to find refuge is right here. The, the, the church family ought to be the place that we, that we just shower people with so much encouragement. And the one place you should never find discouragement is the church. So what's in your wallet today? Could you use some encouragement? Maybe you're the person that says, you know what, I need to be on the receiving end of that. Would, church, would you look around in the assembly today? Would you look around at work? Would you look around at the restaurant today? You, you can see, just ask people, how you doing? There's people that need encouragement. Maybe that's you today. Listen to the words of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you refreshing. I will give you rest. Could you use some rest today? Could you use a, a time of spiritual refreshment? You know, the invitation of Jesus is not the invitation to join this church. The invitation of Jesus is not for you to jump through the hoops and do a bunch of stuff. Jesus said, you come unto me and I'll give you, your life will begin to be refreshed. We offer the invitation that we read about in the Bible in Acts chapter 2, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Why is that? Because you receive Jesus. And when you receive Jesus, your life changes. And you don't have the burdens of life anymore. And the things that used to weigh you down, they don't weigh you down anymore because Jesus said, I want your burdens. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is calling you today to a time of spiritual refreshment. If you need to respond to His invitation, please do so as we stand and sing.